Hey all, it's me, Prince Devin. Just wanted to get out ahead of it. Yeah, it's not me anymore. Still doing Star Wars. I know, I know. Star Wars is never going away. Just wanted to get out ahead and acknowledge that. And you know what? For a special treat, at the end of this episode, you'll get the full unabridged It's a Trap beat Kyle made for us for Star Wars Month. That is Kyle Alicia at the Real Ragnarok at Bandcamp.com. Enjoy, everybody. It's a Hello, everyone. Welcome to Original Podcast Do Not Steal, a podcast where in every week I, Prince Devin, and my co-host... Uh, Amber Autumn, she, her. This is so bizarrely direct. <laughs> yeah, I had a cold open, and I was like, I don't know if this matches the tone, like the more kind of self-important tone I want to shoot for, hopefully, with this episode. Usually our podcast is about, you know, child boners and Nazis. But now that I've said that out loud, <laughs> here's the original cold open. So, Amber... Have you ever sucked dick, comma, in a heterosexual way? No. <laughs> I was getting so ready to say yes, and then you really, you threw the one turn that was going to stop me. <laughs> Sorry, no. I didn't suck dick until it was a gay thing. Uh, I fucking, I love the idea that a professor actively listens to this podcast. Like, and Devin, my... have you ever sucked dick in a heterosexual way? I don't think I've ever sucked dick. You don't think? <laughs> no, I, I, it's just funnier. If you say You're not sure? I, I don't... <laughs> well, now, now, now it's like I've gaslit myself, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I haven't sucked dick. <laughs> I think I'd remember it. Because if I was ever in the position to suck dick, I imagine it would be like that Louis C.K. bit where it's like, ah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna suck you. And then I just wouldn't. But anyways. Do you think that Disney's gonna, gonna send us a copyright strike because we're mentioning Star Wars in the same podcast that we've so far mentioned, Child Boners Sucking Dick and Louis C.K.? <laughs> we've been live for like a minute and a half now. That would require people listening to this podcast. The thing that does not That's happen. true. So anyways, That's what true. original podcast Do Not Steal is a podcast where in every week, Amber Autumn and I pretend to talk about media, but we do the thing we just did for a minute and a half, and at the end of that diatribe, make a character at the end. But sometimes, we have episodes that are different. They're structured like our old show that only two episodes exist of, where we pitch each other how we would handle a property. And today, the property we're handling is Star Wars, and the specific pitch is how we would do a solo Star Wars movie. Yes, it is. And before we get into that, there are the questions that we do to make you, the audience, feel like we're people so you'll be more compelled to give me money. Give me that sweet, sweet money. So, Amber, here's my question for you. What would you mm -hmm, say mm -hmm. is your biggest strength as a DM? I would say as of right now, this is going to seem very strange to you because it's a very different answer than I think I would have given in high school when we were playing together which is maybe just partly because my group is very different and they want different things. But as of the place that I'm in right now, uh, RPG-wise, I think my biggest strength is coming up with like NPCs who my players have very strong reactions to very quickly. Ah, Joss Whedoning it. Absolutely Joss Whedoning it. Yeah, no, um, I'm just going to hope none of them are listening because I did... I did there is, in my, my D&D &D party, they have a, a group of, like, opposing, like, you know, you know how you have, there's an evil party, right, who's after them, and that party is based, every character in that party is based on major characters from Angel. 
Um, uh, and also named after them. I fucking named them after them. None of the characters have seen that show, so they don't know that. Like, it's not literally the same character. Like, obviously, I'm doing my own thing with them. But I did literally name and and originally base all three of those characters on angel characters. So, yeah, just weakening them. <laughs> That's why the old adage exists. Good authors borrow, great authors steal. <laughs> thank you that's very sweet you're welcome what about you i think my strength is a dm and i haven't done it in quite some time so i don't know if it's still true but i think i'm not good with rules i'm not good with setup i'm not a great yes ander but i do think i am very good at extracting character moments and i will do everything within my power i will have solo sessions with you one-on-one that the rest of the group doesn't even know about i will pull whatever i can out of tall guy god damn it but you will have a character moment and you will have an arc by job i will put everything into that that's a that's a great skill i i actually really struggle with that because like like i don't know when you're playing with me um, I really need my players to, like, take initiative to, like, do... Like, I'll, I will give you the setup. I can lead a horse to water, but I'm really bad at making them drink. This is why I've always wanted to do, like, a co-DM thing, and I'd call it, like, a voice DLC pack, because all the NPCs you interact with have one of the three voices your DM can do, but if you have two DMs, you get six voices now that NPCs can do. So, we're gonna we're gonna pitch our Star Wars... Uh, standalone movies who talks first i talk first you talk first ah you beat me to it you get it that's the thing they say (laughs) in the star (laughs) one mind we're a forced dyad devin oh no fuck shut up fuck you oh god oh all i wanted was all i wanted was force stepping i all that's all i wanted and they gave me fucking force triad and fucking uh, somehow palpatine just returned oh god fucking (laughs) fucking movie so, yeah, who do you want to? So fucking bad. <laughs> Everyone's favorite thing in the world is complaining about Star Wars, right? Anyways, so yeah, but like, who uh, you, me, who uh, do you have any strong feelings in either direction? So, so there's, so there's, as of time of recording, there are two uh, Star Wars standalone movies so far. Um, there's Rogue One, which is bad, and there's Solo, which is bad. Does that cover it? I think Rogue One is almost good and solo is just bad and yeah that about covers it (laughs) cool great glad we got that out of the way um the standalone movies with more planned on the way are usually in general about taking some sort of uh aspect of the of the franchise and then amplifying it and giving it a standalone. So Solo, right, is the Han Solo origin story. Rogue One is about the group who, like, stole the Death Star plans originally. Many Bothans died to give us this information. Thanks, Mon Mothma. Actually, I don't think a lot of Bothans died. I think it was, like, these characters who now have names, like, a fucking Cassian and... None of whom were Bothans, I don't think. Asian Um... boyfriends and... Urso and Alan Tunic droid. That's right. And so uh, when I was when I was coming up with mine, when I was brainstorming mine like 15 minutes ago, I thought, what element of the Star Wars universe is really ripe for expansion and has a lot more that could that could come out of it? And so I figured, obviously, I came up with Broom Boy. Um, ah. I'm kidding. Obviously, <laughs> no, that would be. <laughs> 
That would be fucking horrible. The whole point is that that is not a, like, a lore-important character. Fucking under no circumstances. You say that like that doesn't mean he's destined for a Disney show. He is, but that's stupid. No, I didn't think of, 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 of Broom Boy exactly. I actually didn't even really think of like any particular specific ties to any specific characters maybe it's like fucking oh do you mean a thing that would make star wars better <laughs> i know yeah like truly i came up with a continuity free thing but maybe i make the main antagonist like admiral briggs or fucking like something right like i just make it some character photocopy my tweet where i say treat star wars like a setting not a genre and you have be- in- infinitely interest more interesting movies musical but it's in so star wars true. rom-com but oh in my star god wars. please <laughs> like revenge thriller where it's a sith master and the the one seeking the revenge is the apprentice that'd be dope as like northman but star wars there we go oh oh Fuck my up. god oh that'd be so Fuck fucking you. cool oh my oh dude I'm fucking sith of, oh i'm having i'm having a moment this is gonna be so fucking cool but that exact speech of just, i will avenge you father i will save you mother i will kill you if you're near but a sith oh my god that'd be so fucking sick oh my god oh that'd be such an awesome movie for no one but me Oh, the fucking rule. I'm ah, breaking up with you. This is kill. the end of the podcast. All right, here's to make it better. Kill Bill with Star Wars. I couldn't think of, I don't, like, revenge movies aren't my favorite thing in the world, so Northman was the first one that came to mind because recency bias, but, like, come on, man. That'd be dope. Someday we're going to do our Last of Us Part 2 episode. Ah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Internet's going to have a field. Oh, I, I'm not ready for the comments if we get an actual trans woman talking about fucking Last of Us Part 2. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. Give me attention online, bitches. I thrive on it. So, so I mine is probably less developed than yours because I thought of it right now and you've probably been like brainstorming yours forever because as we all know, you want to put a bunch of work into it and I want to put in the minimum amount of effort required to have a podcast. That's the cell. That's, That's the dynamic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we have a world. It's it's during like the imperial era. No, you know what the 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 movie starts, and we're not sure when exactly we are in Star Wars time. Um, and we get introduced to our our main character, who, I don't know, in Star Wars fashion, we take, like, a normal name, and then we give it, like, a normal one-syllable name, and then give it, like, a slight twist. Like, let's call her Gwyn. And Gwyn is, like... Um, like a like a leader. She's an SJW, basically in her in her in her little in her little world on this planet. Like in Solo, she's an activist. She like I don't fucking remember anything that happened in Solo, dude. Yeah, you do. We talked about this in like two episodes ago with the <laughs> the SJW android who Lando Calrissian wants to have sex with. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, like the droid. Okay. But, like, instead of, like, a vague, arbitrary, like, droids should be free and I'm sassy, we, like, see her on the ground, like, working with people, starting up fights with, like, local warlords or senators or what the fuck ever. Also, on this planet, there's, like, a Jedi hiding out. What's that about? We don't know yet. Um, and we'll call her, I don't know, Tess. Tess is a Star Wars character who exists already, right? We'll go with that. 
And we get to, like, spend Act 1, like, meeting these people, having them interact. Gwyn and Tess probably have, like, a very rough relationship. They don't get along well because, like, Tess has all these very staunch, um, conservative Jedi ideas about how the world works. And Gwyn, like, doesn't fuck with that at all and sees Tess as, like, an oppressive force. And so they're fighting. Um, and then, end of Act 1, inciting force, the Empire arrives at the planet. No one has ever seen these people before, um, Tess, except for Tess, who's, like, the one fucking off-worlder who, like, probably has a decommissioned ship that she hasn't turned on since she showed up to hide on this planet, but, like, however many years ago. But now, the Empire is here, people are, like, making sort of first contact with the outside world, and we get, like, a first contact scene where they're like, maybe this is a good thing, but no, it's the Empire. The Empire shows up, they, like, enslave a bunch of people... Um, they kill a bunch of people. It's horrible. We, like, keep the violence PG because, you know, you still want to sell movie tickets. But, you know, in no uncertain terms, it's a bad it's a bad deal. And so, of course, um, Tess and Gwyn are both people who are going to be, like, inclined to fighting this. Um, but, like, a lot of the early part of the second act is both of them trying in their separate ways to stop this happening but their like methods are very very different from each other and so they come into a lot of conflict so like most of the runtime in this section like isn't necessarily like the emotional center of this isn't about fighting the empire it's about them conflicting with each other I, and then also like we got to have like a main character on the empire side right like a, a primary antagonist figure and yeah, maybe you make that like General Briggs or someone from the original trilogy in order to like give people a face to latch onto and, uh, you know, give the continuity fanboys some ca some catnip, um, sell a bunch of movie tickets, make people think that the movie was good because it explained why there was a hole in the Death Star. God, I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> I feel weird. Like, the, the consistency through Star Wars Month, we've dunked on Rogue One, because I honestly don't think it's that bad. <laughs> That's fine. Um, we can have slightly different opinions on that one, and it's literally fine. That being said, um, fuck Solo. That movie sucks ass. <laughs> That's funny. I like Solo better than I like Rogue One. <laughs> oh, we're such That's opposites. Fun. Look at us. We're Gwyn yeah. and Test right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think uh, the Empire um, sets up some kind of, like, big cavernous, um, like, prison holding cell. Like, okay, okay. So, what it is, is they have this, like, ship where they're about to... They have this, they have this big fucking freighter where they're about to ship, like, a fuck ton of, like, slaves off-world. And so, like, they have to figure out how to they have to figure out how to stop this ship from like taking off in the first place because if this ship takes off then all these people are going to be gone and and there's it's going to be way way harder to get them back so they kind of have to make a last stand thing um and they and 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 tess and gwyn both separately make like make their attempts to stop the thing and then because they're fucking bickering and they can't get along um, at like around the midpoint of the movie, Tess gets killed, oh, um, no. probably by uh, uh, General Briggs or who the fuck ever it is. Um, and honestly, let's give whatever bad guy a lightsaber. Let's give them a lightsaber because I think that's gonna matter later. Um, so maybe it's not General Briggs. It's fucking whatever. I don't care. So that's like the midpoint turn. 
and suddenly Gwyn manages to get the prisoners. They, she manages to get to the prison cell using Tess's death as like a distractive moment. Somehow that happens. Um, we figure out an action scene. It works. It makes sense. It's fine. But then suddenly you have all of these people. The one person who is both force sensitive and has a lightsaber has just died. They're in a bad spot. They're unarmed and they're in the they're in the heart of this ship. The all is lost moment. No, 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 no. Oh. The all is lost moment is going to come later. This is the midpoint. The like rest of the second act, um, these people have to like sort of like like it's like we sort of get a little bit of a cat and mouse game. You have all of these people who are like trying to survive on this ship while this and like hide in this huge ship and find hiding spaces in it while all these stormtroopers led by this one guy are trying to hunt them down. Um, and we get our like, you know, Disney mandated action scenes in it, but we also get like a lot of scenes with like a weird little bit of a horror bent to it to give it like a fresh angle. Um, and then, you know, you have a lot of settings here you can mine for the theme parks or whatever. A lot of Lego sets out of it. The characters um, manage to shut down the, they manage to like blow up the engines so the ship can no longer leave. But in the process, like the only way to do that is by blowing power to the whole ship, which means all of the deadbolt doors seal. So they have like trapped themselves inside. And the only way that they can get out now is by having like a direct confrontation with this guy. What ends up happening, um, you know, you get a little bit more cat and mouse stuff, but now it's the third act. So like the stakes are escalated and what, what have you. And then, um, and their goal at this point, they're like, okay, um, our one shot that we can see out of this is to recover Tess's lightsaber. So they go to try to recover Tess's lightsaber, and then the all is lost moment happens when our antagonist figure, like they're about to get the lightsaber, and the antagonist figure, like, like uses his own lightsaber to cut Tess's lightsaber in half. He breaks it. He has the only lightsaber. He has backed them into a corner. It's fucked. He's, he's like closing in on them. And then the way that we resolve that problem, the way they get out of that sticky situation, they all in a very like broom boy sort of way, they like access things that Tess told, like, like they access lines that Tess said earlier. Um, and they remember like bits of wisdom that she said that they didn't recognize as wisdom at the time. Um, and none of them like have the trained ability to like channel the force by themselves. Um, but the force is like an energy that flows through all living things, right? And so, co so collectively, um, between all of them, they manage to like join forces to access the force and to um, use that to turn the tides of battle. And maybe we, maybe that like, maybe that like manifests as like. Um, we get to do some like bullshit ass wuxia fighting stuff where the, the antagonist has a lightsaber and our and our and our protagonist is like just like unarmed and fighting with hands and we get some like cool ass martial arts move and probably you have like the way that, that it's visually represented is that all of these characters like join hands and maybe joining hands was like a, a, a symbol that got a gesture that got used symbolically earlier in the movie as set up for like uh, ways that these characters were doing community building amongst each other and then it becomes like about solidarity and about like how these gifts are are accessible to 
people when they join forces and when they and, and how there like is power in solidarity and then you also get like this this like girl power bent that you get to like sell a lot of merchandise about you get to claim your movie as feminist because you get the like women are witches we are the daughters of the witches you couldn't burn angle which like gets to be like a very marketable thing while also like maybe making an actual statement about like women and magic the way that power gets interpreted in women and then uh you get to like have a big moment between Gwyn and tess's force ghost naturally um and because that's like obviously the actual emotional center of the movie and then it becomes about how these like two women who have like very different motives but like ultimately share a common enemy in colonialism this is all about leftism the whole time could you tell um, anyway, that's how I would do a Star Wars movie, so I guess I'm talking first. <laughs> Alright, well, there are some ways that ours parallel, and I'm curi- I look forward to talking about that at the end. But I guess it's my turn now, and... It sure does. You know what I haven't done in a while, Amber? I haven't written notes. I came prepared with notes for this episode. I'm so excited to hear it. Alright, so... I, I know you did. It's sort of intimidating that you came on with notes, because I'm like... I just paced back and forth in my bedroom for a couple minutes. Don't feel bad because I've I've been stressing out about this for a while. Like I've <laughs> I've called Hans twice to be like, "Hey, can I pitch this at you to make sure I know what I want to say?" Oh, really? <laughs> it's the reason I don't cover Berserk to any meaningful degree on like TikTok or YouTube or anything because I'm way too attached to it. And if I don't like sell people on it, I feel like I failed this work, even though this work in particular is just one that exists in my brain. But anyways. No, totally. That's why that's why we haven't done Godzilla or Gem and the Holograms yet, is because they're like too important. Yeah, they're, they're too, they mean they mean too much. So anyways, I call it Star Wars Freedom question mark. And to start, none of my characters have definitive names because I'm bad at naming conventions. That's why it's Star Wars Freedom question mark. And this is a thing I go back and forth with, but I want to talk about music for a second. Okay. Star Wars music has a specific feel, right? You want that. I, I can't remember because I always want to say Danny. Danny Elfman, right? Danny Elfman, it's... That's a guy? That's a music guy? That's the music guy, but when I'm making the Star Wars movie... That's a music guy. I mean, John Williams is, like, the Star Wars movie guy. Yeah, fucking, I... Bad with orchestra people, because I'm not a music nerd. Shout out to all my music nerds out there. Sure. But when you hand me a Star Wars movie, I want to look at all these music nerds, and I go, what does space pop sound like? When you're making the score for my Star Wars movie, I want to do... The Guardians thing, where you're using music to deliver Peter's character arc and his emotional state throughout the film, but I don't want it to be human music. There's a Trandosian in my movie. What's Trandosian grunge metal sound like? Make that, right, and then right, put right. it in my movie. You're music nerds. Do that. Right, right, right. And that's just a thing, so the score of my movie sounds like that. My movie opens with a hangar bay. That opens. It descends down. Smoke. Blasters. A man rolls, gets up, stands right at the precipice of the hangar bay. He's a whatever Thrawn is, those blue people with the red eyes. Yeah, 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 the blue people with the red eyes. That's what they're called. Yeah, they're called the blue people with the red eyes. He's got a leather jacket with golden adornments, so, you know, he's the, you know, Captain Rogue kind of guy. And while he's at the hangar bay, he's making sure that everyone gets in. So, like, as everyone runs by, he pats him on the shoulder. First one to run by is a Twi'lek with twin swords on her back. And then the next one is the Trandosian, who in the script is called Borsk, because Bosk, ha 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 ha, I'm original. Ha ha ha, yeah. And Borsk almost shoulder chucks him, like he's, ve- he's very domineering and selfish as he gets in. And he's like, all right, one, two, and then here, hear, ah, I'm hit! 
<sighs> gotta go back for this kid. And so our captain rolls back into the fray, finds the kid, and the kid's like, go, go on without me. I'm, I'm just gonna slow you down, man. And the captain's like, no, 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 listen. If we leave you here and you die, we have to send your next of kin a letter saying you died. And that sounds like extra work. And I don't want to do that. And then the priest comes by and is like, you, hands up, infidel. And he's like, listen, kid, I got this. And the captain does a shoot, shoot, bang, bang. And I want to establish this within the opening. His two things are established here, that he has a dry wit, right? He's got that dry wit and a worn winning smile. And he does a quick draw because he's a cowboy because Star Wars is fun because it's a sci-fi Western at the That's same right. time. That's right. And so he, he kills the one guy and he's like, you're going to make it out of here, kid. We're going to out of you alive. Puts him on his shoulder. And as the smoke clears, you see they're surrounded by more cultists than they thought. And he's like, okay, mate, kid, maybe we won't make it out of here. But then you're beep, boop, boop. Oh, what's that? They had an assassin droid on the whole time. 88 is his name in the script. And we see an assassin droid essentially do the thing from the opening of Mandalorian where you get to fight with like 360 sort of shooting. You have multiple appendages. He's clearly a droid who's been working on himself kills all the cultists and he's also carrying with him a monolith and the captain looks at 88 and he goes i owe you one man correction captain you owe me 12 i i thought i deprogrammed the party that keeps score you thought mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they go into the ship and once we're in the ship the camera never leaves the ship every shot every angle is within this oh i love confine. that it's a claustrophobic movie now i love that one location so once we're in the ship Captain goes to the pilot, and the pilot... Oh, I never forgot to mention this. The kid is the one human. He's the only human on the crew, because it's in Star Wars. And I'm reversing what I usually do in Dungeons & Dragons, where I make a human, but Star Wars space, right? And the pilot is a new species, just one you make up. I love when Star Wars can just make up a species. He's just a fuzzball. He's this perfect yeah. ball of fuzz with short little appendage arms, big old black cat eye ears, and two ears that flop up. But it's very clear that when mm -hmm. you're in the pilot place, he's like modified the, the rig and stuff so he can reach all the stupid sci-fi buttons with his tiny little nub arms. And the captain's like, we made it. Says something that is not punch it, but you know, they do the punch it thing. And what? Right. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And while they're having the talk, you see that there are a bunch of cameras that, that monitor all the rooms, uh, all of the areas of the ship. And he's like, I thought I told, I thought we talked about this and you're not supposed to do that. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, we, we talked about it. He's like, we're going to, we're going to have another conversation about this. Please turn those off. And he turns them off. And as soon as the captain leaves, he turns them back on. He's like, you can talk. I'm not going to listen. And so then, cute. as the captain leaves the pilot room, we do a long shot. And this long shot is, you remember the scene in Serenity where Mal's going through the whole ship talking to the crew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great job. Yeah, it's that. We're meant to establish spatial awareness because by the end of this movie, I want you to feel like you can walk through this ship. And secondarily, this is A, meant to re-solidify characterization and B meant to show the dynamics all of these characters have with the captain. First one you go past the Twi'lek who had the twin swords and she's doing like the like st like stoic warrior assassin type character thing where you do you doing the yoga and the breathe in breathe out and he's like we got a meeting you know round robin 15 minutes you're gonna be there right and she goes I'm always there if you are winks ooh flirtation he's like yeah Goes to the next guy, it's Borsk. Borsk, we got a minute. <laughs> Just screams in Trandosian, and you hear... Uh, Fuck yeah. <laughs> and you hear um, a robot, a calm robot voice go, I know how we handle things post-meetings. I will be there. Love you too, Borsk. Goes to the robot. 
Goes to the robot 88. He's like, you got to be there in 15? Affirmative. Goes to the kid and you see the kid like, ah, ah, like grabbing on where he got shot. This is when the long shot is broken and he sits down. You know, we uh, do the thing where your camera's now eye level. You sit down, you're meeting the person, right? So he sits down with the yeah. kid and he's like, hey, you, like, I know you got shot, but do you want to talk about it? And the kid's like, I just, I don't, I don't feel like I'm a good member of the crew and, uh, fucking Borsk is mad at me and I, I got shot. Like, third job, I'm already shot. He's like, hey, hey, listen, listen, listen. If I had a credit for every time I got shot on a mission, I could retire. I wouldn't have to run with these people anymore. Three missions in, one time shot, I was shot my first mission. Listen, you are a valued member of this crew. We love you, man. Steph Everlet, meet me in 0800. And so then we go to the meeting room. And the meeting room is a circle. And it's important that it's a circle because the camera will do that spinny thing whilst people are talking. Absolutely. Before they have the meeting, you cut back to the monolith, this black, featureless void. And the camera's at the bottom of it, and you see smoke slowly emit from it, and red lines, intricate red lines start creeping up. And we'll cut back to it repeatedly throughout the film, and Star Wars usually does three-act structure, you visit three planets. We don't visit planets in my movie, but we cut back to this monolith and how far the black lining is up top the monolith is what act we are currently in in the movie. Absolutely. So while we're at the meeting, we're going over what happened. I do a little exposition dump. 88 handles the facts and figures of like, we were hired by to get Y to send it to B to get X amount of credits. And he's like, Grizz, pilot. How long will it take us to get there? Uh, 15 parsecs over the neutron blast of says dumb Star Wars speak, because it's a Star Wars movie. And it's like, all right, time for the Red Robin. We have I can stop doing this now because you get the bit where the Trandoshan doesn't speak basic and then there's a translator. Mm -hmm. But he does that mm -hmm. again and he's like, yep. actually, no, I, I messed up. It's the kid's about to say something, but it gets cut off by Borsk, and Borsk is like, I would have made it if that kid didn't slow me down. He's new, he's dumb. Why do we carry him around? I, I wasn't, I'm not a paid babysitter. And you see the kid, like, shrinks down. He, he falls into himself. He doesn't want to talk anymore. And he's like, Fosk, what? What? Come on. He's new. We gotta let it. And Borsk, ah! And he just, he gets up, he leaves, and everyone just kind of shambles out. The As soon as Bosk leaves, the kid gets up, <laughs> runs in the opposite direction, and the Twi'lek walks over to the captain, puts her hand on her shoulder, and she goes, hey, I, I can go talk to him. And he's like, yeah, I, if I do it again, it's just going to be a rehash, and I don't think that'll be helpful. And you get the sense it's kind of like, these two are kind of like the mom and the dad, right, of this weird family of people. So when the Twi'lek goes to talk to Kid, it takes place in a viewing room. So there's this giant window where you just get to look out into space. And when she talks to the kid, she's like, I, I assume Cap already talked to you, right? And he's like, yeah, I, I, it's just, I, I let Borsk down and I, I don't feel good about that. And I just, what if he's right? And she goes, listen, 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 he is a curmudgeon. If you want him to not be mad at you, do you know how to sharpen weapons? And he's like, yeah, I know how to sharpen weapons. And she pulls out of her pocket like a whetstone. It's like, all right, hey, take this. All you got to do is offer to sharpen one of his weapons. That's going to be what he's doing. You cut back to him. And yeah, he's just sharpening some fucking stupid blades that don't look like they work, but they're sci-fi, so fuck it. Just offer to sharpen some blades. Mm. It'll get him back on your good side. And then ask him about the Great Hunt. He loves to talk about the Great Hunt and the scorekeeper. And the kid's like, what's that? And he's like, ask him that. And he's like, okay, is that like, should I wait for it to simmer down? Or can I go talk to him now? And she's like, go talk to him. And before she can say now, he hauls off to where Borsk is. The captain comes back in. He's like, you, oh, you are going to be a great mom someday. 
when are we going to settle down, raise some weird hybrid babies on a backwater planet, build a kind of, build a little ship for us? While the captain does this, he takes his jacket off. And you know the thing where you wrap your, uh, your wrists around the arm of the jacket? Yeah. He does that, puts the jacket behind her, and pull, uses the jacket to pull her in. Because you know how every Marvel movie does the thing where it's forehead to forehead, hand on the back of the neck to denote intimacy? Yeah. I use this jacket. Like, he's pulling her in. They're flirting while they're talking about this. And he's like, hey, when are we going to you know, raise that planet, get those hybrid babies? And while this happens, Hi. you see one of her hands go up on his chest and another hand go behind her back. And she ninja move leverages the coat. So now she is behind him and has her hands on the coat. And she pulls him back because we're switching who's flirting with who in this moment. It's to establish that they are on equal footing. I don't do the will they, won't they, Zoe and Mallory thing. They are just into each other. And they're, this is their flirt, fight, dance thing. But what she says when she's able to pull him back and is in the power position, she goes, when you can acknowledge there's a third person in this whole thing. And the camera just, you do the Kubrick, you do the Kubrickshaw effect. It's holding on Captain's face, looking in awe at the window. And then you cut back to space. And the idea is he's in love with space. He loves the adventure. He loves this. He loves that great inky void. And she can see he's having a moment. So she sort of lets the jacket down. And he goes on a monologue and he says, you know, back in my planet, if you tried to be anything that wasn't what you were stationed with at birth, they did everything in their power to squash it out of you. And every night I looked up at the stars and I knew there had to be something more. If there's a great inky void out there that connects us all and these great burning things of gas, there's got to be more to life than that. And he puts his hand to the window and he goes, and as a kid, I always dreamed of touching a star one day. And I know that's stupid, but oh, it's what got me off that planet. She's like, it's not, it's not stupid. It's cute. And then you cut to Borskin the kid, and I don't have the dialogue worked out for this, but essentially it's like, hey, I can sharpen one of those blades, tell me about the Great Hunt. And this is my in for Star Wars nerds, where I talk about lore, because Trandoshan's the Great Hunt and the Scorekeeper and the fact that their religion is like, the way to win points in your religiosity isn't about being a good person, it's about gaining points, winning scores. The hunt is what matters, and the hunt is the great equalizer in all things. And the kid's kind of fascinated by that, that idea of like everything being equal in a sort of way. But that's my end for Star Wars nerds, is I give you the lore dump you've always kind of wanted, but also it's when we talk about the collar. And the specific thing Borsk says is, when I, when I first got off planet, no one spoke the language I spoke, and none of the things here designed for me. So why would I learn this language? It's weak. Like, he's specifically like, I don't want to, like, it's not worthy of my strong Trandoshan lips or whatever, right? Because he's kind of an asshole. Right. <laughs> you then cut to the pilot and 88 after two of these, like, intimate character beat conversations. They're not talking about anything. The pilot's just like, how'd the diagnostic check go? Good. Because <laughs> I think that's funny. <laughs> then, Captain's sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, get shuck. He gets shuck out of bed. Oh, what the fuck happened? He runs up to the pilot room where you see from the outside this giant black ship, sort of a, a proto-Star Destroyer because that puts the right image into your brain, but it doesn't actually look like a Star Destroyer because spoilers, bitch, we've been in the old, old Republic. Fuck continuity. Go far back so you don't have to deal with Hell it. Hell yeah. Cool. Great. I love that. And because Star Wars does not have, like, the hollow screen, like, uh, Captain John goes, screen on. You see the guy, and I don't ever want to leave this ship once we're here. Uh, the pilot's just like, we're being hailed, Captain. And he goes, make sure this is playing throughout all the speakers. So while this monologue is happening, you are not just, uh, you are only on the ship. But it is not just the captain listening to what happened. It's interspersed with, like, everyone's reaction to it. Sure. And you hear this booming 
sardonic voice that's disinterested and says something akin to like um, these blasphemous transgressions shall not and cannot be forgiven for the vileness you've wreaked upon us we will rain fire and death return the monolith and die and the captain's like isn't there supposed to be an oar there and you hear a female laugh sort of echo kind of spiritually even over the headset and then this booming sardonic voice comes back with no and Kevin's like, what the fuck? We are Sith. You are going to die. When he hears Sith, he goes, oh, fucking Christ. Who pulled the straw out of the hat to get this assignment? And the camera shuts over to Borsk, and he's like, <laughs> he's got a big fucking smile on his face. It's like, I'm so fucking upset right now. And so they have another meeting, and they're like, what do, what do we do? Cap, what's the plan? And he's kind of, you know, pacing back and forth, stomping his foot on the ground. He's like, all right, all right, here's the thing, here's the thing. They think that they've got us, right? But we have home field advantage and we have taken out bigger, we have taken out better. With time, and specifically, I don't know the full speech, but he says, with time, we can do anything done. And it cuts in the robot when he says time. And he's like, do we got this? We got this, guys. And this is why I set up those cameras earlier because when we have the comm links, he's like, Grizz, you can, through monitoring, you know where everything's going off and you can control the doors. You can like, whatever numbers you gave, you can conquer and divide, right? And he goes, yeah, I think we got this. Ship shakes, camera goes black, red lights. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> that's what the captain said. Only he doesn't say fuck because it's a Disney movie, but that's the vibe, right? Fuck me. Red lights are going on. And the re it's they have backup generators. But the reason everything is bathed in red is because color theory. You can use color to denote who is in control of a scene. And so uh -huh. in this entire act, the Sith feel like they are the ones who are in control. Right. So everything is bathed in red. And also you can isolate all of these shots to make for great trailer moments. And so... The captain goes, all right, the plan is divide and conquer. We're going to split up. And as soon as he says split up, Borsk fucking books it. He hauls ass in a different direction. He's like, yeah, I got this. And the captain goes, fucking kid, can you follow? And before he says follow the kid, hauling ass following Borsk. He's like, all right, cool. That works. All right. 88, Twi'lek, me, you, three-way, three we got this triangle. Yeah. And she goes, no nice. offense, Cap. She takes off her sword. This is the thing, right? Yeah, cool ninja thing. She goes, yeah, yeah. I think I got this. And she walks off and the cap just looks and he's like, I'm, I, I love that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give birth to her children one day. I love that woman. And the camera just holds on 88's blank expression. And the captain's like, what? Unfortunate to report, captain. Biologically, that is not, it's a metaphor, man. I love that woman. So now we deal with the fights that happen. Because you gotta have them. Because Disney requires you to have them. Well, that's not a case of Disney mandating a fight. That's a case of I want fight scenes in my Star Wars movie. Well, yeah. The first one we get is the Twi'lek, and she's on the comp link, and she goes, and no, and Grizz, the pilot, goes, how many do you want? And she goes, how many do you think I can handle? Uh, X number? Give me one more than that. I, I already was planning on it. And he does it. And so when she gets in the room with the proto-stormtroopers, both of the doors go up they're in the box with her the first thing she does takes one of her ninja stars hits the red light everything goes to black and she you hear <laughs> and the only light you get is every time her blade makes contact with something there's a spark and that's when the thing's lit up because that looks fucking cool that's right that's fucking right next fight is borsk and the kid and the kid runs up he's like do you have a plan that is not shoot them. And Boris goes, no, shooting them all is a great plan. What, what, what do you have a pro do you, what? I, I shoot them all and I win. And it's like, okay, fucking Christ. Here's the plan. 
and then the camera cuts and you see the kid just running down a hall in red light screaming and ah because that isolated makes for a great trailer moment he goes uh, grizz now door on the side opens kid slides through you see borsk take his big fucking laser gauntlet just screaming and firing essentially doing the predator yell right ah! Guns down a bunch of stormtroopers, but one of them nicks not Borsk because they're stormtroopers, they can't shoot for shit, but he nicks it in the collar that lets him speak because I like the idea because I am a Mexican and I don't speak Spanish and I live in America and sometimes that provides a problem. You live in space. Language would provide a barrier that would create problems and I like that idea. <sighs> Water's good. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Terrifying. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love to drink water. I love to be hydrated. Water's great. So we love it. Pro water podcast. Eight. Sorry, water pot. This podcast is brought to you by H two O, baby. <laughs> you can get no. Anyways, Cap and eighty eight, and they're like, all right, just uh, you know, give us the rest. And it, Cap's like, I bet I can. You think I can take more than you? And eighty eight's like, calculating. No. Oh, you want to make a bet, Captain? I would make a bet, but then you would owe me considerably more than twelve. Screw you, man. And so when uh, 88 fights, it's just, like you know, more cool, fun assassin droid combat that you don't get to see a lot of. But when the captain fights, he only gets one. And it's, he goes to do the, you know, uh, pull out the, the quick draw. That's the word I was looking for. But just something happens, he doesn't get to do it. And it becomes the Daredevil hallway fight. I just want a long fucking one-on-one bare-knuckle boxing fight where people are tired at the end of it. And I want it to feel a little different. Totally. It's like a much more tense, claustrophobic movie. It's appropriate for it to feel more strained. Yeah, so when they finish the last Stormtrooper, lights go back on. And in my notes, I have, lights go back on. Did we win? Equal, fuck you. No, you don't win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so they do it, and you hear the, the booming voice again over the comm link. And it goes, perhaps I was too quick to underestimate you. Maybe you deserve a face-to-face. And you hear big fucking loud footsteps like every time Batman enters the scene in the new Batman movie with these heavy goth boots with spurs at the end of them for some fucking reason. And the people we meet are, I don't have names from the script, but it's Eldest Brother and Mystic Sister. And Eldest Brother, I'm going to describe him real quick, is I'm going back to Sith as a race like the red people with the weird chin thing. And did you, you've seen the extended cut of Star Wars, right? You remember the mouth of Sauron? The extended cut of the original one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so sci-fi mouth of Sauron, but with an Aztec twist to it. So he's got this black thing that covers most of his face, sideways tusks that jut out of the bottom of his lip, and there's gold adornments occasionally through it. And the reason there's like an Aztec tint to it is because Star Wars is this wonderful cross-pollination of weird culture shit. Say what you want about Book of Boba Fett. Unarguably, the best part is the fact that because the actor is a Polynesian dude, I can never remember his name, but I bet on set he was like, what if the Tusken Raiders performed hakas? So Boba Fett can do hakas in one scene and the next scene be like, I'm the Domio of Tatooine, and I love this weird cross-pollination shit. Yeah, absolutely. You ever seen Mayan stuff? Cool fucking aesthetic. It is. It's true. And his sister I give less of a description to, but it's Asajo Press via 2D Clone Wars, but much more mystic vibe. And while he has these loud sardonic footsteps and loud booming disinterested voice, she floats in. Like, she's not even gracing this disgusting ship with her feet, because she's she's literally above it all, because she's floating, right? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So, over the comlinks again, 
they the captain goes, all right, same same plan, divide and conquer. We got this. But importantly, this time, Bosk doesn't just immediately run off as soon as he says divide and conquer. He looks at the kid, nods over, and then the kid and Bosk walk off, right? And so it's kid and Bosk versus Mystic Sister, 88, Captain Twi'lek, eldest brother. Okay. So with the Mystic Sister fight, she speaks, but she does the thing our friend Darth Ultio did, where he did not, uh, he did the forced speak with mind, because she's she's above all this. Why would she grace them with her tongue, right? Because it's a parallel to boss, because it's like, don't, don't be this guy, don't be this kind of dick person. Right. And when they have the first fight, like, you know, they're trying to do the thing, they're not really working on the same page, she's just effort. Like, remember when Darth Vader holds his hand out and he just, like, absorbs the blast? She does that. Like, she doesn't move them, she doesn't block them, she just absorbs it. Whatever, you fucking prick. And she goes, you, you, Trando, you Trando, Trando, seem so, so proud. So proud. I, think I think it would be wonderful to know what your face looks like. Feel, 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 feel. And she sort of puts her hand up into the light. Eh. Little motion as she says fear. And his eyes go big. He grabs his head and he just fucking, st- he freaks out. He starts panicking. I don't know if Trandoshans can sweat, but he is. And she lightly giggles as he's like clawing at his own face. And the kid has to grab him and run away. Devin, that shit's hot. I'm sorry to report. That shit is hot. <laughs> Which part? The part where she was talking. <laughs> That's how we get listeners. Cut back to the rest of our crew dealing with the big brother. And his thing is he does not use the force. He is a Sith who believes that power is a thing you assert over others. And power is a physical thing. You It is might. It is your ability to flex and lift heavy objects. He's not into the whole mystic aspect of being a Sith Lord. Yeah. And so the Twi'lek, like, she runs at him, right? Tries to do a, the power slide twin blade thing, but he effortlessly cuts both of those and then kicks her on the way back for good measure. Then Captain's like, you're not kicking my girlfriend in the face. Runs out, grabs him by the collar, throws him overhead, and as he throws him overhead, the camera follows in this arc motion as he lands him back down on his back, kicks him over, slides. They both... <laughs> slide into a thing fall down captain looks over he's like you got more blades right she grabs two blades mounted on her thighs and goes i always have more blades she's like god i love this and then we see the droid doing that thing droids can do where they can talk to ships <laughs> door closes captain bangs on it 88 what are you doing you two alone were not able to stop him i do not believe further intrusion from you would be effective that doesn't answer the question what are you doing and he looks and he says affirmation I am buying you time. What? And then it goes silent. And we do what would be a pop song, but a Star Wars pop song, right? Sure. It's interspersed with like, you know, the captain doing the thing where he's like banging on the thing. He's yelling into his headset, like Yannick Grizz to open the door. The kid's carrying Borsk away as she's laughing uncaringly. And we get a fight. We get a sick ass fight between a Sith Lord and an assassin droid. And we fixed my problem with all... I, I'm a big Clone Wars era fan, but anytime battle droids show up and they're fighting Jedi, I go, this is stupid. Force crush, throw them into the other one. You have the force. But this is a motherfucker who doesn't use the force, so it fixes the problem that only exists in my head. I did this for me. That's what we have this podcast for. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, literally. Once we get sound back, you know, he 88 is putting up a good front, but he can't really win because it's the Sith Lord. So he slices one leg. He falls down. He slices an arm. He's, you're doing that thing where you're on one knee and you're sort of hobbled over. The eldest brother does the thing where you put, you know, the, the sword up to the chin, but it's a lightsaber, so just roll with it because, you know, samurai yeah. moves. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's fine. And he's like, 
I think I like you, droid. And he goes up to take a big old fucking claymore swing. And 88 looks over at the window where the captain's looking. And he goes, 13. Because you owe me 13 now. Wait, what? And in that moment where he goes, wait, what? 88 does another spin thing. And with the arm that was cut off, this little stump stabs him right in the side. He got one on me. But now, God is bleeding. And once God bleeds... You can kill it. You no longer believe in God. That's right. Cut back to the mystic, Bosk, and the kid. And they found a way to hide. Bosk is grief, not grief, panic ridden. Can't, can't do anything. Can't think. Freaking out. And the kid, like, he grabs him by the broken collar, shakes him a little, and he goes, you listen to me. My name is, and it's a big moment where he finally gets to say his name, because every other time he tried to say it, it got shut down. But I haven't named him yet, so he just says, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> My name's Johnny. And I, I do not room. die here. And you are Bosk. You are a Trandoshan warrior, and you do not die here. Do you understand me? And as he's talking, Bosk is like, calm down, and he's nodding along with him. He's like, you talked about the Great Hunt? The Great Equalizer? I don't think you believe that for a second. I think you think everything counts, but you're going to sit here and tell me that those stormtroopers are worth the same amount of points as a Sith Lord? And he's nodding along. He's like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel everything you're saying. You, we are going to kill her. You are going to meet the scorekeeper as a hero. And I believe in you, goddammit. Be the Trantosian I know you are. And Borsk, he's fucking, he feels the fire in his heart. He sees the eye of the tiger. And this is actually when he does the fucking predator scream. And he takes his big fucking, his big fucking, I can't think of the word, chain gun. Takes the chain gun. Firing it. The kid notices while well, this is happening. He goes behind her, tugging cover tactics, shoot, shoot, bang, bang, using his smoke things. And while they're dividing her attention, the captain, uh, not the captain, the pilot can see this. And he goes, okay, I got this. Hits a button. And the camera does the Sam Raimi thing. With, whoo, evil Dead, right? That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a steam noise, and you're following one specific event. Until it gets to right where her face is, boom, vent busts open, steam straight to the face. Ah, she screams. This is her version of God bleeding. And once God bleeds, you can kill her. And now she's took steam to the face. And also because she's let her voice out. Oh, you're not that high and mighty. You're no better than the rest of us. You, you scream just like the rest of us. And so the last moment, the showdown, she's fallen down, kind of blind. Boris cast the chain gun and she has her lightsaber. And she goes, you, I don't know, something that can to fuck you. And Boris... Let's all the things go, but she throws the lightsaber. She nicks one of his arms off, but he's a Trandoshan, so it's fine. Yeah, because they grow back on Trandoshans. Yeah. Cut back to Aldous' brother and the captain, and there's a shot, and I don't know if this necessarily works, but the camera sort of makes it so you see the both of them, and you see just the door dividing them, so there's this divide line, and then they start talking to each other, and it's shot, reverse shot between the little mirror in the door. Perhaps I was too quick to underestimate you yet again. You've proven yourself worthy of something. Cut back to the captain. He doesn't have anything to say. No joke, no thing. He's fucking pissed. He just watched 88 die. Cut back to eldest brother. He does the Liam Neeson turn. He doesn't do the Liam Neeson turn, but this is the camera angle I'm kind of thinking of in my brain. He goes, Unleash the beast. Because isolated, that makes for a great trailer moment. And you hear again, things coming down. And the beast is, if you took a Sith race, the red thing, a gorilla, a rancor, a Aztec dragon, kind of mixed it all in a blender, and it had, like, the proportions and anatomy of a gorilla, mostly, and, like, a big gold helmet, and sort of gold helmets and, like, uh, blades that shoot out of its wrists. That's the beast. It's this weird fucking thing, because I, like, a rancor, but not a rancor. 
the rules. And so, eldest brother goes off to the hangar bay, because this whole thing was about that monolith. And now we cut back to the monolith, and we're in the third act, right, baby? We're in that home stretch. So, the Twi'lek and Catherine have the moment where it's like, I, I have to... I have to beat him off of the past. If he gets that monolith and all, this was for nothing. And he looks and he goes, you got this, right? And she goes, yeah. Yeah, you know I got this. And he goes, yeah, I fucking know you got this. I love you. And so he gets on the he gets on the headset and he goes, Grizz, every door in between him and that hangar bay, shut it now. He doesn't get there. He thinks he knows, he thinks he knows the layout of the ship. No one knows the layout of the ship better than me. I can duck and dive my way through. And so he's running through all these like back corridors and shit and every door is shut in front of the eldest brother and some he just kicks. Eventually he realizes just kicking doesn't work even though it's a British shit house and he doesn't, you know, the classic, oh, look at me, I'm a Jedi. I'm going to cut a circle hole through this door and it's going to take an hour. Only not that because that's A, stupid, B, not his style. Slitch, slash, slice. Three slices, triangle, shoulder chucks it. Now he's got a new hole to climb this door. And he goes through it even when it's piping hot because he's so rad. And so now we have the fight with the beast. Round one, fight <laughs> with the twill. <laughs> it takes place in the meeting room, which has already been established to be a circle, because I'm a Mexican. And bullfighting, although problematic, is a pretty fucking sick and so it's a bullfight. And Amber, you've played a Spider-Man game. You've had a rhino boss fight, yeah? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's that. She just gets him to keep running into various walls, kind of tiring himself out. And eventually, this is the one camera shot, like, this, like the second I was like, a Star Wars movie? What would I want to do? I knew I was going to have this camera shot movie. So it gets to this point where the beast goes to take a swipe. And the camera is held POV, like, the blade. Like, you follow the blade. And you know that knuckle beat in between middle finger and ring finger that like in between area she goes there and like rides it all the way up and the camera follows the blade as she does it and then she gets one of those cool like marble flip arounds after she's done doing it and she goes i don't know what the hell you are but good luck not bleeding out after that and you're like yeah hell yeah victory moment and then he takes his mismounted his wrist mounted vibra blade puts it underneath his armpit and just slices his whole arm off cauterizing the wound and she goes oh fuck but she doesn't say fuck because it's a Disney movie. She's about to say fuck. And then it's comedically cut off. Cut off with like more running to the to the hangar bay, the cat and mouse game, and the editing makes it look like Captain's winning. And then you cut back. Borskin Kid have now made it to the beast. And this is kind of the point of the fighting I want to make, that like the Sith are being a monolith, right? Except one person, 1v1, and under normal circumstances they'd lose, but this crew have each other. So together they can win the day. They beat the beast fight because the Twi'lek wore him out and now Borsk is going to go fucking nuts. And it turns into Godzilla versus King Kong. The camera's very low. These punches take a while to hit. It's, it's slow fucking awesome kaiju fights between this brick shit house mm-hmm. Trandosian and this weird ass beast thing. And we do, I stole this from Berserk because of the most metal goddamn <laughs> thing of all time. But if you have an unattached limb, and you use that to bludgeon your enemy, you're the most metal motherfucker of all time. And Borsk does it. He does it a few times. The beast bites into his arm club thing. Borsk takes a bite near his eye. The beast throws him down. He's about to do the gorilla pound thing. But then Borsk kicks him in the eye. And the, and the kid's like, should should we help? Twi'lek goes, I don't think we'd be of any use right now. And eventually he, he kills this motherfucker all like King Kong style. 
All right, now we cut back to the monolith. It's a top-down view of the camera sort of turning, and you see that there's that it's almost done being made. There's an incomplete circle that you can kind of see the negative space where it would be. The camera pans down. The brother's face helmet thing that cuts off his eyes takes up the foreground. In the background, the captain. Oh, fuck. Despite everything we've done, the brother made it here first. And the brother, like, holds his hand to his wound. He's bleeding profusely. That's the reason Ray and Finn could, like, beat Kylo Ren at the end? Because he'd been shot, you fucking idiot. Stop complaining. But he looks down at the blood. He looks over at the captain. Captain's winded. He's breathing heavy. And he goes, you know what? You You do do have have my respect. respect. Holds out his hand. And for the first and only time, uses the force. Boom. Force push. Captain flung into the back. Head hits the wall. Oh, falls over. It does that noise when a bomb goes off in a movie. Yeah. And the captain kind of, close, door, please. (sighs) Doors closed. Eldest brother, with his bloody hand, touches it to the monolith. The blood is absorbed by all the lines. Like, sort of cubes empty out. From the blackness emerges what is clearly his dad. Because his design is the sister and the brother met down the middle. Even, But he's bigger and meaner. And he says disinterestedly, like, he, you see him, like, look down at his kid, look up, reach to the force, camera cuts to his dead daughter, and he just goes, disappointing. Cut back, all the crew have now made it to where the captain is, they get him up, his head's still ringing, and they're like, ah, what do we do, ah, freaking, what is said is not important, and it's a POV shot, and he looks over, not hearing anything, because still doing the, but he sees his ship is in shambles, his crew is tired. They're bloody. They're beaten. He sort of, like, after he's gotten up, he sort of stumbles off in the corner. He says something in the comm link we don't get to hear. You do the back end of focus, like, what's the plan? Because the plan, the plan, uh, uh. And he, he takes his jacket off. And he's like, yeah, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me a second to think. And he steps. So, like, they, they part, like, the Red Sea. And he is now in between them and the door. And he does the, and he puts the jacket on the Twi'lek, and not like a, like just puts it on, right? Just how you put on a jacket, pulls her in close, just big fucking kiss, and he goes, "I have loved you for so long, and I've been dumb. I I should have been able to put the space behind me. Whatever happens, I just want you to know that. And whatever happens, he goes, "What?" And he goes, "Now!" And he pushes her. Right as that happens, door opens. He rolls through, close it. <laughs> door closes. She's pounding her. What's Cut back. He's there, right? In the hangar bay with daddy. Daddy's home is what it says in my notes. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Before we cut to this part, uh, she, she's like screaming at her. I'm like, open this door! Open this door now! Grits, I demand it! And you cut back to Grits. His comm link is off, and he's fighting back tears because that's what the captain told him to do, and he didn't want to do it, but he did it. Mm-hmm. So now you cut back. Daddy's home. And uh, he's like, he rolled in. So he looks, uh, Captain looks up and he goes, you know, you're actually just as tall. And before you can get it out, you see the most limp wristed, disinterested kind of like hand movement. And he gets slammed into a wall. Oh God, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. you're, You're doing the fucking like the players interrupt the GM in his dramatic moment thing. But like, but like <laughs> yeah. the other way around. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he goes, do other creatures find you amusing? No, they mostly find me annoying. Oh, they're accurate. <sighs> Throws them up in the air. 
And so he goes on this big villain monologue, but you don't hear most of it because it's not important. What is important is the captain is repeatedly getting flung into walls, but they're circling each other, right? He keeps moving over, being annoying, slammed into the wall, gets up. He refuses to go down. It's like Rocky. Until they've done a full 180. Dad is now where the captain was when he started, and the captain is now where the dad was when he started. And the captain stands up, and he essentially, functionally goes on the... The monologue from the end of Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where Arnold's like, Ah, you don't want to use the gun. You want to know what it feels like when you stick the knife in me and you turn it. And the guy's, I don't need this gun! I don't need this gun! Uh, He says something to Kendall like, Hey man, I... You think my crew killed you stupid kids? Nah, that was me. And you know what? You're a big man of the forest, all that dumb shit. I think... And you... You want to be a big man? You want to kill me, right? Any idiot can use a lights and before he gets lightsaber out the dad does the thing where you use the force to go fast and his hand ah oh, goes all up in his guts right and the dad goes you know what this is more satisfying and he gets up right up to his ear and he goes how does it feel to be right for the first time in your life and the captain goes you know what it feels like feels like we're both idiots hits the button and then amber how did the movie start with a hangar bay opening? It sure it's like did. Poetry at rhymes, baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hangar bay opens. <laughs> we are flung out into space, and things go silent. The dad, for the first time, panic is stricken on his face. He has an emotion. Oh shit! He reaches his hand out to the ship. You don't know if he's going to do the Leia thing. You don't know if he's ever, you don't know what he's doing. It doesn't matter. Cut back to our captain. What's the one thing he's been good at? A quick draw. And we've all seen Order sixty six. You just need a few shots off, and you can kill a force user. Kills him. Sith Lord, dead. You cut back to our characters, looking at all... This is the one time we're allowed to go outside of the ship because we're at the end of the movie, right? Yeah. Because all that took it. Like, the camera followed them, whatever. You cut back. The kid is, like, just mouth agape, hands on his head, like, oh, my God. Uh, Boris, like... Like, nodges with respect, holds the hand of the heart. Twee, like, is just crying. She's just looking at this, just crying. But the, cut back to the captain... He's got a big smile on his face. And his blood is sort of like out in space, but it's doing that thing where liquid exists in zero gravity. And there's a there's a beauty to this, right? And he's got that smile. And as the icy cold takes him and he starts to freeze, he reaches one hand out to where a star is. Because what's his dream been to touch a star? And in this moment of sacrifice, he's finally granted the opportunity to do that. He can touch the inky blackness of space that has inspired him his whole life. He can be with the thing he loves. And so then we have a montage wherein we patch up the ship. We see someone's building up 88 again. They get the captain. They give him a funeral. They And this is one Hans gave me, but they shoot... Because uh, I just had they shoot the casket into space, but they shoot the casket into a star. Now he literally gets to touch a star. That's fun. Mm. Um, and the montage is broken by... It's all of these shots are very close, very intimate, right? It's the kid. He puts the collar around Borsk and he goes to close it. And right before he does, Borsk puts his hand on the kid's wrist and he looks up at him and they're just looking at each other for, for a little while. And Borsk goes, thank you in basic. He speaks normally. And the kid flustered like, yeah, whatever. Hey man, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't mention it. And they're, they're almost forehead to forehead, and the kid's blushing, and the camera holds there for a long time, 
and it feels like that deleted scene between Gamora and Nebula where you and I watched it and went, are they about to kiss? <laughs> and then in the audio commentary track I do for this movie, because I'm the director, I go, yeah, I wanted them to fucking kiss, but Disney said no. And every fan Q&A and every Twitter interaction, I'm like, yeah, no, he wants to fuck the, they're gay. They're gay in space and he wants to fuck the lizard. Only in this instance, um, they're not sisters. Yeah, that was so weird. <laughs> so then he puts the puts the collar back on him, and we go to a different planet. Kid and Borsk walk out, and the Twi'leks like, "You don't want to, you don't want to ride with us to the next mission." The kid's like, "I have, <laughs> I have lived so much on this one mission. I'm, I'm not out of the crew, but I need a vacation, and I, I think it would do Borsk to get some good to do things that are not murder people." And he's like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds like something he needs. And you see Borsk, and he's got the one tiny Trandoshan hand. He gives a tiny little little nubby thumbs up. And the kid goes, you ever need me again, you know where to find us. And I promise I'll be there. And she's like, yeah. Yeah, I know. And you see her put the jacket on, because she's the captain now. She walks back into the ship. 88's there. The pilot's there. The pilot goes, where do you want to go now? And she goes, um, we can work that out later. I've got to see someone about a deed on a backwater planet because she's going to go build that little house. Mm. And, totally. and and credits. Yeah. My Star Wars movie is over. You were right. There actually were a lot of parallels there between ours, huh? Like a, like an eerie number of them. It's almost like we are friends who have known each other for a long time and have a lot of the same interests. It's similar to that. <laughs> it's true. So now uh, let's pause for a second so I can digest some of your take and have interesting things to say. And also I have to pee. Yeah, go do that. What good pitches. Let's, let's sniff our own buttholes for a minute. We had some good Star Wars Yeah, movies. we're fucking smart geniuses. And we kind of made the same movie. And therefore sniffing your butthole is sort of the same as sniffing my butthole. <laughs> I don't like where this is going. <laughs> that's, that's human centipede I... ourselves. But just about praising our pitches for Star Wars. Why Why would we do this? Uh, to, to start with yours, to not just sniff my own butt. Um, I... God, I just thought about the things I liked, and now I'm pausing again. But I, I like, you know, Gwyn and Trent are sort of ill-defined because it's a pitch, but the, the dynamic laid out is so clear. You can, it, like, it sort of writes itself, and not to compare a thing to another thing to disparage you, but it's very much how my brain works. It's sort of that V in our, uh, Catelyn from Arcade, where it's like the, the, the slum girl who has to live in it versus the idealistic rich girl who's coming down to see it for the first time. And that juxtaposition and slowly over the course of the movie, they can come to understand each other a little bit. I really like the return of the hand clasping as a way to win. Um, and that's a thing like you'd set up in the beginning when you're doing the Prince of Egypt, the feel the whip of the bat of the, I feel the whip of the crack on my shoulders. Instead of, you know, the Hebrews building slave monuments it's like you know people coming together with the hand holding thing coming that back i love the enactment of like jedi philosophy through like pacifism and non-aggression and that illustrated through fight language through choreography right like a fight yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That, is, that is meant to be deflecting and you are assuading these negative motions but you're ultimately winning through the day and all that sort of like the positive aspects of jedi solely through a fight scene is really cool what a cool idea i love a fight scene where one character has a lightsaber and the other ones have to figure out what the fuck to do about that i'm like horrified to discover that you understand my movie way the fuck better than i do you had god you had so much more developed pitches than i did 
another thing I, I, I really liked about yours is like your, your staunch every time you came back to like, and I have to do this because it's a Disney movie and a Star Wars. Like, I just, I really like that. <laughs> I'm not fucking around with that shit, Devin. I'm paying attention to what the stockholders want. <laughs> I didn't think about that shit. Like, there's the one bit with Borsk talking about Trandoshan lore. Where I was like, nah, I, give me a star. I'm making whatever I want. I don't give a fuck. Be mad at me at Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I just think I've watched a lot of Jenny Nicholson. You know what I mean? Um, and so I'm thinking about it. It's it's amazing how much our pitches like lined up. Like I think like we both heard Star Wars pitch, and we kind of both went for like okay, like like relatively continuity free um, story of a small group of people who like get trapped on a spaceship, and like it's a really claustrophobic mood. And then um, uh, you kind of have to navigate this semi-horror space um, uh, that really revolves around a core relationship between, like, two primary characters. Like, like even down to, like, a couple of specific beats, right? Like, there's a lot, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of similarities in those movies that we just pitched. And that's neat. Another thing I really liked about yours is... The reason sort of Shadows of the Empire is my like one of my favorite eras in Star Wars is because Star Wars shows up and says Empire is bad and then they blow up a planet. But like the the real ground level living in uh all not an oligarchy, but a imperious police in a, yeah, state in a fucking empire. Yeah, it would would be terrifying in a way most Star Wars movies don't let us see, and it's not a fault of them, but seeing it and experiencing it is, is a horror. And I like that your movie is just straight up like, no, nah, look at this. this, is, this is... No, I, yeah, I like, I like struggled with that one because like, I, like, I, I was like, I was like, okay, but you can't put that in your theme park, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's like inexplicably a thing I like care about, I guess. I, to defend you on that, I would argue that Six Flags, Cedar Point, all of these have like horror months open in October. You could do like, there's, there's Terminator rides. There's the the ring ride at like Disney Japan and shit. There's like, you can spooky a ride. Yeah. I, I guess I just mean in terms of like Disney brand integrity on the star Wars brand. I really loved in yours. I like, I like, I in general love, I think when a franchise has, or when, when any film has like, um, a, a movie with like two characters whom are in love that's just what it is, and it's super uncomplicated. Um, I, I love that, and um, I think yours is no exception. I saw a lot of Firefly in your pitch. Yeah. Um, sorry to keep bringing it back to Joss Whedon every fucking time, um, audience. The reason Joss Whedon got to get away with all the shitty things he did is because he is good at the thing he did, and he made good art. That's part of yeah. it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Yeah, I, I I love that relationship. That relationship felt really good. Like even while you were describing it, I was like I was like we can't see who these people are. Like I like I don't know what the performance looks like. And even like without that, I still am am really loving the dynamic that you're setting up here. It like feels really good to me. Aw, thank you. Yeah. I to blow smoke up my own ass for a second. The I'm I'm so happy Please. with the poetry it rhymes opens with the hanger closing and ends with the hanger closing because that wasn't something i realized until like the last time i went over it and i was like wait a minute the star wars meme <laughs> oh yeah no that uh, <laughs> no that was like a really good moment i like i like you said it and i like i like i i 
I don't know how to say it other than I, I, I reacted to it. I, I felt that. I was like, I was like, oh yeah, he set that up and paid that off really well. It's really good, actually. The one I was like, I, I've paid this one off is like his thing is the quick shot. And when you're in space, he can get off that quick shot while the guy's not paying attention. But I was like, oh, I accidentally did the hanger too. <laughs> Man, just our, Devin, our farts smell so good. Oh, um, they, smell, they smell great. They fuck, they smell so oh good. Oh my fucking God. This is, we've done this bit before in the second episode of how we do. We did this in the Doctor Who episode. <laughs> but we're, but it's, we're right though. <laughs> We are. Like, go back, audience. Listen again. We did some fucking banger-ass pitches. Anyway, Lucasfilm, um, we're available. Get in touch with us. Just made my movie beat for beat. I think I'd just be happy because I like good Star Wars movies. <laughs> <laughs> I do like my meta... Again, I'm blowing fart up my own ass. Uh, but I like my metatextual bit of, like, on the commentary track. I'm like, yeah, I wanted the boy to kiss the lizard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's chaos theory. I think last point before we close out is uh, I like that we both did a thing wherein you get to beat the Sith, the monoculture, the one ring to rule them all, by uh, having a multicultural company, by having a fellowship of the ring. That's what Lord of the Rings is about, Oh, that's true. And that's what we did with our Star Wars movies. Wow, we all learned something today. Um, cool. Well, uh, this was a fun one. Uh, and that was that was Star Wars month. Thank you for joining us for this extra long episode this month. All month, and also um, a little while after that. I wanted to say my whole life, but that's not actually true. Um, uh, my name has been Amber Autumn. She, her. Consequently, my whole life, my name has never changed. It's Prince Devon. That's oh shit, no, Prince Devon isn't my name. I have a different. I have a. I have a government, but I'm going by Prince Devon on the podcast. Friendship monetize. I'm gonna do it. And we love you, and we hope you're having a great day. May the force be with you. What are we talking? Yeah, about may next? the force be with you. What are we? What the about fuck next are time? we? Shit. Um. I shit. I, I know what oh. I'm doing. Oh. 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 Join it. Yes, I do. Join us next week when Devin tries to get us to talk about professional wrestling, but instead we talk about James Bond. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, Prince Devin, using the power of hindsight and. <laughs> To uh, let you know that next week is not going to be James Bond, because the entire of D of Star Wars month jumped the queue line. We're actually going all the way back to the high school D&D episodes. It's a two-parter, and more of me talking. Hope you're not tired of that. So anyways, uh, time has resumed. Oh, yeah, you did the whole month! Yeah, um, that'll be one, that'll be, that'll be a fun one, um, because I have a lot of recent experience with it. It's an Amber Talkie episode after all this time. Mm-hmm. And I don't have anything else to say about Star Wars until next year. That's a lie. I'm probably going to open that James Bond episode with my fucking think piece about <laughs> comparing <laughs> and contrasting Rogue One to the Wild Bunch and be like, do you get it? It's a meta It's a meta commentary about the oversaturation of Star Wars. Ha ha ha, we did it. Look at us. Okay. Um, Bye. Space goodbye. Space goodbye. Bib Fortuna Bar. Ah! <laughs> It's a trap!